Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch, touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, breaks out of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join David and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Bennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. Every week we look at what the Wildcats have done and what they'll be doing in their next game. This past Saturday, they ventured to Madison to take on the eighth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. The Cats fell to Wisconsin 24-15. to uh, they were down 7-3 at halftime, in fact, 7-3 till late in the third quarter. That seems to be a recurring theme for them. They were down 7-3 late in the first half against Michigan State uh, the week before. Uh, Spartan scored a late touchdown, kind of took over in the third quarter of that game. A little different story this time. Their defense really played well enough, kept them in the game. Uh, the offense just couldn't get anything going till late. Yeah, unfortunately, another tough game to watch on offense. And, and like you said, it's just a tale of, you know, two sides of the ball. The defense is playing so, so well, save, you know, a couple of plays against Michigan State. Um, and, and the offense, you know, until Aiden, Aiden got in there, it was, it was just brutal to watch. It was kind of like watching paint dry and they couldn't get in rhythm and Hunter just looked uncomfortable and wasn't very decisive. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they can, they can bounce back, back against Nebraska, but it was, it was another snoozer on offense. We're going to visit with Northwestern center Jared Thomas here coming up. Uh, Hunter Johnson got uh, knocked out of the game. He took a shot. Uh, to the, to the midsection, it looked like, and, uh, they kind of got him settled down. He was okay. He walked off. They put him back in one play and he got hurt again over on the sidelines. So they brought Aiden Smith in and, uh, and he played well through his first touchdown pass and uh, he did throw a pick six there, but, uh, still, I mean, it was only his second time seeing any extended action. Yeah. I thought he played pretty well all things considered you know he'll he'll be the first one to say he missed that protection call when when the safety was down to the boundary and he should have shifted the protection but you know that that's those are things that come you know with with more experience uh he was kind of flying by the seat of his pants early and then uh, once he settled in i was just you know more happy with his decisiveness right whether it was making a, a strong throw or or taking off and running. I think that was, that was the main difference when I was watching Hunter play and Aiden. Aiden just seemed to see, you know, when he saw pressure, he ran. When he saw a throw, he threw it. He didn't look like, um, you know, he was, he was waiting on things to happen. He was kind of taking it to Wisconsin and it, it, it worked out for a couple of drives. What do you do here, Dan, when you're, you're one and three? They were one and three last year. The, the only, difference this time they were one and three last year and had not lost a game to a division opponent so then they got into divisional play and they ran the table they have five big 10 west games remaining starting this week with nebraska but you just go back and and look at last year and say okay here's what we did we were one and three we lost to michigan but in that game had a 17 nothing lead and and seemed to be in control for a while in that game and and try to carry that into the next game or or did you just say this is 
a different situation, a different one and three, a different year, and just try to figure it out this week and go from there. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, right? They have the blueprint just because they've been through this, seems like, you know, every year with a slow start and they pick it up. Um, but to your, your second point, this is a different one and three, in my opinion. They don't have a quarterback. You know, they had Clayton for the past four years. They don't really have a, a solid quarterback right now that can kind of take over the game and, and get things back in rhythm. So, you know, I think you really got to take a step back on, on offense and try to open it up and, and try to get more people involved because it seems like just the same folks are touching the ball and, and it's, it's not fun to watch right now. Um, so I, I think you just, you, the only way you get people more comfortable and more confidence is letting them kind of cut it loose. And it doesn't seem, as at least Hunter is cutting it loose at this point, and I think Coach McCall really has to call plays to let him do that. Now, on top of that, your receiving core has been dinged a little bit, and, and it's a pretty significant loss with the absence of your leading receiver, Bennett Skoranek, who who's a guy who I think quarterbacks who've played with him have felt comfortable looking for him. And... and Remember another guy who was, I think, a pretty important part of this passing game in past years from a receiving standpoint was the superback Cameron Green, who retired from football after last season. But uh, Charlie Mangieri is a sophomore, has been playing that position some, but you still don't have the experience there that they've had in the past. Yeah, and it's, it's a big loss. Obviously, Cam was, was more of a security blanket than anything. He brought a lot of confidence to the office and, and especially uh, to, to Clayton. But I think, you know, back, to, I feel like I say this every week, but McCall has to do a better job of getting people involved, right? We can say all we want that the receivers ding, are dinged and they're not performing, but they're not getting enough chances. I think Hunter had, you know, 11 throws or something like that um it's just not enough you get more screen get more bubble screens get more easy throws you you have to get these guys involved you can't expect them to just show up you know in one jump ball and make the play when you throw it you got to get them involved early and get different get riley five catches early get jj get kyrick guys involved because otherwise they're they're sleeping and when when a ball comes their way they're not going to make a play kind of like jj dropped that one pass i forget mm-hmm. if it was in the third or fourth quarter yeah you should have caught it but he, he he touched the ball once, maybe the whole game. So you got to get people involved. Yeah, and then he caught the touchdown pass right. in the fourth exactly. quarter. You make you make plays after that once you're involved. And we're joined now by the setter for the Wildcats, a senior from Indianapolis, Jared Thomas, who has started the last 18 games at center for this Wildcat offense, and just off the practice field in Evanston. Uh, Jared, you guys uh, have a, a big test this week against Nebraska. We'll talk more about that, but I want to get your thoughts on sort of where this offensive line is right now in the development process. Three new starters this year, uh, a new starter moving uh, sides in uh, Rashawn Slater going from right tackle to left tackle, and you're kind of the mainstay. You're the anchor here, holding it all down in the in the middle. Where's it all uh, at at the moment, as far as you're concerned? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when uh, Coach Anderson first stepped in, one of the phrases that he shared with us was the expectation is on the position. So, um, you know, guys that may have been used to playing on one side, we're going to have to play both sides, um, competing for spots. Um, guys that were uncomfortable with moving spots, they were going to have to get comfortable with it just because in the course of a year, um, throughout the years, you know, when guys are staying, you know, sometimes guys get hurt. Um, you know, I think about my redshirt freshman year, our starting center went down in a couple of games and I had to step in. So you just never know what's going to happen. So the, the idea behind the expectation is on the position is simply everybody has to prepare like they're the starter. So I think we've all embodied 
preparing each and every week as if we're all going to stay or start as as uh, left tackle to right tackle and everything in between. Um, and I think when you do that, everybody's prepared. Everybody knows what to expect. Um, we all watch film together. We watch film with the quarterbacks. We watch film with the running backs. So it's really just a collective buy-in that everybody knows what they're <clears throat> knows what they're doing on every single play. The communication is in place, starting with me, and, and from there we just adjust on the fly. If somebody has to like Rashawn. Rashawn moved from right to left. Um, you know, bringing him up to speed on stuff in training camp and spring ball, that type of thing. So um, as long as the communication is there and everybody's preparing like they're the starter, I think we have a result that we've been having as far as our play and just constantly getting better each and every game. Thanks, Jared. Dan Percy here. Thanks again for, for coming on. Um, obviously, the, the struggles of off the offense and, and specifically at the quarterback position have been well documented. You know, as a captain and, and as a guy that's been a leader on the team and the offensive line for a long time, what are, what are some of the things you can do or, or that you are trying to do with, with Hunter or Aiden when they're in there to, to give them more confidence, to be the, have them be a little bit more decisive um, so they put together a better product on the field? Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I, I got to credit my little brother. Um, you know, I talk to him after every game. Um, in this past game, uh, I told him, you know, I'll talk to you, you know, when I'm done cooling off, just emotions from the game and everything. One thing that he shared with me, he's 18, he's a senior at my high school, Cathedral, back in Indianapolis. And one thing he told me, he's like, bro, I understand that, you know, you want everybody to be successful on offense, defense, special teams. He said, but well, one thing you can't do is try to do too much. And I think um, these first few weeks, I may have tried to make sure everybody is good and kind of overlooked what I'm doing sometimes or, you know, not paying attention to small things in between just because I'm wanting to make sure that everybody else is good. So I think, honestly, I have to make sure that I'm not doing too much and putting too much stress on other positions or putting too much stress on the quarterback or anything like that because at the end of the day, we all have to go out and just play, trust our instincts, trust what we see, and just go cut it loose. Um, because I think as football players, when we do that, that's when we have our greatest success, not when we're thinking too much or we're trying to over-communicate too many things that, at the end of the day, don't really mean much. And I think we all kind of know what that what that looks like. So, for me, I honestly just got to – if I see something, I got to say something. But at the end of the day, just continue to be a positive leader, continue to, you know, be vocal and, you know, live the results. You know, I think I might have seen something on social media, maybe a tweet from you to your brother, you retweeted – something he's a football player too right absolutely absolutely he plays receiver he's a senior at cathedral and he, he's playing he's playing at a high level right now and you know I'm, I'm constantly talking with him um giving him knowledge and, and vice versa because you know i don't see everything that he may see from his vanishing point so i definitely appreciate when he's able to come to me and say this is just what i see um he goes i, I know that you're older than me but you know i also have some insight too and i welcome that all the time so you know i talk to him every day um sometimes more than i talk to my parents um so uh, outside of that, I, I love him to death, and I, I'm glad he's around to help me out and you know, kind of set me straight sometimes. What's the adjustment been like for you? And I know you and I have chatted about this before, but uh, with your new offensive line coach, Kurt Anderson? Um, I don't know if there's been any real adjustment besides the fact that, you know, um, he's this is his first year in the program, um, some of the schemes that we've done. But at the end of the day, it's offensive line play. There, there's some new vernacular. There's some new techniques. But at the end of the day, physicality, um, communication, and athleticism is what every offensive line, I'm pretty sure, embodies. And, you know, that's what we try to do each and every day. Um, and we always try to say we want to be infectious with our energy, with our enthusiasm when we come out to practice. And we want to be, you know, as technically sound, as fundamentally sound as possible each and every rep. So we set our team up to be as successful as we can on each and every play. So um, that's the standard in our room. And I think he, you know, 
know, holds us to that standard each and every day. And we've just taken the mindset that we just got to get better at something each and every day. And I think we've done that, and we just have to continue to do that. Despite the results that we've been having with gangs, we just have to continue to get better because it'll break through for us here, um, you know, as, as soon as possible. Yeah, Jared, I th- I'm sure Fitz and, and, and Coach Anderson are going through this right now, but typically when you struggle, you want to bring things back to basics and, and focus on a few small things um, going into Nebraska. What are what are a couple of things you guys are trying to, to refocus on uh, to, to try to get the, the train back on the tracks here a little bit? I think ultimately it just comes down to, you know, studying our film, um, seeing the bigger picture. Sometimes we get so honed in on what our position or what the guys we're going against are doing. But sometimes, you know, when you're looking at a defense, you can just simply look at the safeties and tell what the defensive line is going to do or where they're moving. So we have to all kind of see the bigger picture. And then from there, we have to communicate effectively. And then after that, we just have to do the little things, put our eyes in the right place, you know, at offensive line, unlock our hips, frame our hands, run our feet, do all the small things, you know, with the running backs, see the hole, hit the hole. And then with the quarterbacks and the receivers, you know, get that chemistry down in practice and, you know, trust that the timing and that our protection will be there when we get out on game day. And, you know, the rest is just emotionally, you know, being invested on game day. You know, the hard work is put in in practice. Now we just have to take what we do on the practice field and just execute and play at a high level on Saturdays. And I think if we do that, we'll be just fine. Jared, I know that uh, you've gone through Medill uh, School of Journalism. You have... Uh, done an internship for Big Ten Network. You've been very involved in uh, some of the student organizations on campus. What what sort of uh, drives you? I mean, what what makes you so concerned? Not just about your teammates and the guys on the football field and the guys uh, on the offensive line alongside you, but also the student body in general. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it just honestly starts with you know how I was raised and my mom and dad and them just constantly teaching me the lessons, you know, as I'm growing up as a kid that, you know, giving to others is that's more valuable than you trying to take from others. Um, so for me, I'd rather give, give, give than take, take, take. And that's just the kind of person that I'm in, that, that I am. You know, I'm always looking out for the guys around me and making sure that they're good. I constantly am asking guys around the locker room, offense, defense, special teams, hey, you good? How's everything going? how you feel, that type of thing, just because that's how I was raised and that's how, you know, I've kind of just grown into the person that I am today. And that's honestly a reflection of what I've been able to get into um, since being at Northwestern, Um, just getting involved in the community. And even with that, you know, I really didn't get involved until my sophomore year. And a guy like Matt Harris, who, you know, is is like a a mentor to me, you know, he kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and said, you know, let's, let's get you out of your comfort zone. Let's get you doing some more things around campus because your voice is valuable. You need to be heard. And I I think if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would have been in some of the positions that I've been in or fortunate to be in as far as serving on committees and speaking at different things. Um, So I definitely give a lot of credit to him for pushing me outside of my comfort zone just so that I can be on a platform to be able to listen to others, to give back to others. And, you know, that's just kind of how I am as a person. Um, You know, I want to be known as a guy that obviously works hard on the field and is about his business, but at the same time puts others before himself. And if I can one day leave this earth and be known for that, I think I've done my job. Hey, don't change, man. It's, we, we need we need more people like that in yeah, this world today. Yeah. Uh, all right, final <laughs> final question before I let you go. Back to back years, you've gone to overtime with Nebraska, and and even when it hasn't ended up in overtime, they have been very close games, as you know. Why do these games between Northwestern and Nebraska end up always coming down to the wire? <laughs> 
uh, maybe I think we just want to play extra time. Uh, but uh, um, honestly, I think when you play any Big Ten team, it always has the opportunity to go the distance because, you know, on our side, we say all the time, those guys are on scholarship too, and I'm sure vice versa for them as well. Um, everybody draws up perfect schemes, and everybody wants to go execute at a high level. But the reality of the situation is in the Big Ten, um, in the Power Five, in college football all across the country, everybody is preparing to win, um, and somebody has to lose. And at the end of the day, when you get games like Northwestern and Nebraska, where you have two teams that are preparing at a high level that are trying to each and every year compete to win the Big Ten West and go to the Big Ten Championship, you have you know games that go the distance, and it's about who's disciplined, who's able to continue to execute when there is – um, so I think, honestly, that's a testament to the, the work ethic of both programs. And, you know, for us, you know, if it goes to overtime, it goes to overtime. Um, if we only play one quarter uh, for whatever bizarre reason, you know, we just got to play however much time is on the clock. And I think if we do that, we'll be just fine. I think so, too. And you have a chance to uh, your last trip into uh, to Lincoln come to come out of there with another win would be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Lincoln is a great place. Uh, I remember my first trip there, I, I kept hearing, you know, their fans are so nice. And I, you know, I'm like, that's kind of odd uh, that a visiting team would be so friendly. Um, but when I got there and, you know, we won in overtime and their fans were, you know, as nice as they were as us coming off the field, I was like, wow, this is truly a unique fan base. So um, Lincoln has some great fans. Uh, they do some great things out there. And I know they're going to be rocking on Saturday. And, you know, if we come up with the win, um, that'll be a nice way to go out in my last time in Lincoln. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to keep preparing and uh, give them our best shot. All right, sounds good. Good luck on Saturday. We will see you in Lincoln. We appreciate the time. Thanks, Jared. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, guys. Jared Thomas, the uh, captain, starting setter for Northwestern, a guy who's really had a nice career, started 18 games in a row. And so let's talk about Nebraska a little bit. You were part of a a victory out there, and and Northwestern's record in, in Memorial Stadium has been very good. I mean, they've only lost there once, and that was on a Hail Mary. A Hail Mary. Oh, God. Other than that, and that was only after Amir Abdullah made an unbelievable catch on fourth down where he stretched for the first down. Otherwise, the game would have been over. Ugh. Northwestern would have taken a knee. I know you know this. Memory. You remember it too well. But uh, the last couple of trips have been a little bit better, and the last time an overtime win. And Look, going into the season, a lot of people jumped on Nebraska. As I, I saw them projected as a possible playoff team, and I was kind of wondering, a team that started 0-6 last year ended up 4-8. and I know they played well down the stretch, but still, you know, it's it's that's a big jump to make. And I know Scott Frost is, is a highly regarded coach who did a great job at Central Florida, but still, at some point, you have to look at it and say, Wait a minute. That's are you really going to get from point A to point C in one year? Yeah, no. Uh, and that's that's just people looking to to make a cute pick and and try to sound smarter than they are. I think Taylor March or uh, Adrian Martinez. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, about geez, Taylor. I always too. do it all the time. Yeah, uh, he was up for the Heisman, I think, and obviously that he's he's no more. But he was a kind of a fashionable Heisman pick. So I think 
you know, Scott Frost, he, he's a great coach, like you mentioned. Um, but I think people were reading too much into that second year, like what he did at, at UCF. But unfortunately, the Big Ten's a little bit different, and, and Nebraska's a little bit different, and every situation's different. So, you know, I think, you know, they had a lot of momentum coming off the, the last six games. Uh, they played Ohio State tough, and they, they won a bunch of games. But I think it's, it's kind of been back to reality. They lost a tough one against Colorado and then, and struggled against Illinois and then just got smoked by Ohio State. By Ohio State. So I think they've, they've been brought back down to earth. And, you know, that's not to say they're not a good team, but they're obviously not going to be competing in the Big Ten West, it seems. Look, Northwestern has played two of the best defenses the last two weeks in the Big Ten in Michigan State and, and Wisconsin. And I'm not among those ready to jump off the Michigan State bandwagon. They may have struggled offensively, but uh, defensively they are a very sound team. And they've got some more ahead of them. The Ohio State and Iowa, the two games after this, uh, so I look at this game as a game where maybe this offense can get well against Nebraska. And if they do, I think their defense has certainly shown the ability to shut people down. That's what you hope, right? Uh, you, you were hoping for that against UNLV. They, they, they did okay, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you know now that we're in the Big Ten season, hopefully the coaches are really opening the playbook and, and letting them kind of cut it loose, as we talked about before. But this is a game you need, right? It's, it's a game in the Big Ten West. Get back on track against a team that has struggled similar to you um, with a subpar defense. And I think that the Northwestern offense really needs to make a statement. And if they don't do it against Nebraska, who are they going to do it against? So it, it could be you know, a, a tough outcome. Offensively, uh, we've seen a lot of Drake Anderson the last couple of weeks, the redshirt freshman. He's looked really good. I mean, I think you have to be impressed by him. Uh, Isaiah Bowser showed us last year what he can do. He's been a little banged up this year, and he's been splitting time more with with Anderson. Last year, he splits time with John Moten periodically. And, you know, I think you look at this at one point, Jesse Brown started for Northwestern, then he got hurt. Moten got hurt. Opportunity there for Anderson. He's made the most of it. He's done a great job, and I think it's it's tough in college football the way teams are playing these days. They only have one running back, right? You need kind of two two or three guys to change change the pace. Um, but no, I, I've been you know very impressed with with Anderson. He's he's very shifty. He's he's a great third down back. I think he he dropped a couple of tough tough catches against Stanford but I think those were probably more on Hunter but to see him you know run um, I think he's gonna have a bright future as as he continues to get more experience you know one thing we haven't really talked about Dan special teams because I thought Northwestern's kicking game was very solid they gave up the kick return to start the game that that helped Wisconsin get a short field but after that I, I thought overall their performance of special teams was was really good yeah, I think two out of the three phases they're playing really well right now. I think you know some of the some of the punts weren't as you know maybe as pretty as you'd like them, but they're still effective. effective. They're still effective. Yep. So I think you know they're Northwestern. <laughs> there were a lot of them, right? And yeah, they punted however ten, twelve times. Um, so that that'll bring the average down. But yeah, you know two of the two of the three phases they're they're doing really well, and the offense is unfortunately dragging the team down right now. Well, we'll see if they can pick it up on Saturday against Nebraska. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff. We'll have it for you on WGN Radio beginning Saturday at 2.30. Many thanks to our producer, as always, Curtis Koch. For Dan Purse, I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for joining us on Collegiately Speaking. We'll talk to you again next week or the following week from WGNRadio.com. All right, you're clear. Next week's a bye, so we'll put a